Thank you for joining me, Bafti Brits, in today's broadcast of Dynamic Web Church. This live broadcast goes out all over the world on the web, touching the lives of people worldwide, getting them to understand more and more of the unconditional love of God. It's a privilege for me to have you with me today to just spread this word and just fellowship around computers and around the gospel all over the world. It is nice. It's good to know that people are touched that way. You know, we would like to encourage you <coughs> to just go in, onto our website, download more and watch more of these messages, and then just to spread it to, to others. We want the whole world to know this message of grace. Hallelujah. Um, I want to welcome everybody that's a first-time viewer of Dynamic Web Church. If you're a first-time viewer, man, just feel so welcome. I want to assure you of one thing, and that is that we will only minister the message of God's unconditional love and His grace to you. And that will give us new and powerful lives. We are not here to see how we can change you. We are also not here to see how we can manipulate you to get to do what we want you to do. We just want to spread this gospel, get this word of God out to your life, and as you listen to this, this word will produce fruit in the lives of people. To all you first-time viewers, maybe you've never watched anything um, of this website and you've clicked on this on the, some search engine you found this and said well I'm going to watch this out this morning um, <clears throat> let me tell you this there's one thing that you need to know and that is that faith is not something that you must do and try to work up to get God to do something for you but faith is a fruit that happens something that happens to you when you hear the true word and so many times we feel so condemned when it comes to church and when it comes to the things uh, of God because we feel that we have not been bearing the fruit that we're supposed to bear. Let me tell you something, and man, this can be shocking to you, um, but I want you just to hear this and listen to this whole message today. It will just bless you so much. You know, we cannot bear fruit by our own efforts. It's impossible. I actually want to say it this way so it can just shake our religious minds a bit, and that is we cannot bear fruit. You as a person cannot bear good fruit. Out of yourself you can only bear the fruit of the flesh. For if we by the flesh seek justification before God, that is not what, uh, um, I mean, that, that seeking through the flesh produces evil fruit or bad fruit. Because in our flesh there's nothing good. That's what Paul says. And, and the only way, there's only two ways for man to be justified before God. And the one is through the flesh and the one is through the spirit, which is the work of Jesus Christ. Which, been, which is being preached all over the world today. Um, so, uh, if we come to a place where we can receive the word, and the right word, the correct word, that word will produce fruit in our lives. So, it's not you that bear the fruit. It is the word of God that bears the fruit in you. And all we do is we just make sure that we get the word that's got the power into our hearts. And we don't try to do the word. The word will live and germinate in us. Amen. Man, that is good news. Now, I don't want to get deep into a teaching on fruit bearing and faith and that right now. I would just like to encourage you as first time viewers to, um, to just be blessed. And all you, you web members, people that's been watching this faithfully over a long, couple of months now, thank you for being here and may you just be blessed today and encouraged in this message. You're wonderful people, the people that write to me, uh, people that's been part of this for such a long time. You know, thank you for that. It's good to see that, that this means something. To somebody, You know, everybody has got this thing in his heart that he wants to mean something to someone. And that's just the way it is. I believe it's a God-given thing. I know that I mean something to God because He gave His Son to me. But it's also good for me to see that, 
that this ministry and who I am means something to you. Not that we walk in a codependency and saying, you know, if I don't mean a lot to people, then I feel like I'm nothing. No, we know who we are in Christ. Uh, but it's nice to see that this impacts the lives of people. You know, I had a, a, a SMS that somebody wrote to me and um, she said that she, she was just so liberated by the teaching of finances and so blessed by it that she listened to it and wrote down all the whole message um, not just the one message, I mean that's 12, 12 messages, she wrote it down word by word because she was so blessed with it and says this is a true gospel concerning finances. Man, the, you know, when I hear things like that, it encourages me. For those of you that uh, are part of Web Church, maybe you've wondered how many people are part of Web Church, how does it work? It's very difficult to, to determine. Um, we, we would have people that watch every, that watch a Sunday morning, say 15 people or 20 people, and then we'll have, uh, the same amount in the evening. Um, some some Sundays you find a lot of people watching. Other Sundays you don't have, uh, don't find a lot. But I th- I think the most uh, um, people that watch Web Church go into the archive, and then they download the message during the week. And uh, but it doesn't matter to me. It is this is a community, a, a group of people that are part of this that slots into this. Amen. And. I want to encourage you, invite people, uh, send the link, you know. This is maybe nice to you, but tell people, listen, Sunday morning, if you've got time, watch this. Or go into the, um, the archive and just send that link to someone. So just watch this, you know, and, and ask, tell me what you think about this guy. And uh, then they'll have to watch it to come back to you. And, um, and, and that way they can get the message of grace. Amen. I would like to just uh, share the scripture with you before we go into worship. In Ephesians chapter 4, Ephesians chapter 4, verse uh, 10. He who descended is also, he, is also the one who ascended far above the heavens, that he might fill all things. Now this is Jesus. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. Why did he give them? For the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. Now that is what what perfection is to me. Um, The the fivefold ministry has been given. The apostle, prophet, teacher, evangelist, all those, they are there to edify and build the, the body of Christ, to do the work of the ministry, you know, to minister to the church, to edify the body of Christ, until when? Until we all come to the unity of the faith. In other words, till, until we come to a place where we believe the same thing about Jesus Christ. And the unity of the faith is Jesus and what He has done for us. That is the unity of the faith. There's nothing um, more than that. That is all you can believe about God. All you can believe about God and about the gospel is what Jesus Christ came to do for us. Because that is the gospel. There's nothing more to believe about God. Because the fullness of God is portrayed and um, shined forth and just shown in what Jesus Christ has done for us. Okay, so this fivefold ministry has been given that we come to the unity of the faith um, and to the and to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. In other words, that we, that we believe the same thing, that we know the same thing about God. To a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. In other words, he wants us to come to a perfect man that we can 
have the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the fullness of Christ. In other words, to perfection, to the to the perfection of what is done for us, that we might believe it and know it. That's what he what he wants us to have. And this is wonderful if you go to verse fourteen, that we should no more be children tossed to and fro and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. So what he's saying is Listen, we want to preach the gospel to you as uh, God gave gifts, fivefold ministry to apostles, evangelists, pastors to equip the body of Christ, to teach the body of Christ until we come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of Jesus Christ to the full measure of Christ, to know all that there is to know and to believe all that there is to believe. Why? Why did He come to, to teach us that way? So that we cannot be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. So to me, perfection in the gospel is when we believe what we ought to believe about God and about Jesus and about, and, what, and about what He has done for us to the point that we will not be tossed to and fro when somebody comes with some funny doctrine. And that's what we are there for. And when you're at that place, you walk in such a, a strong personal relationship with God that you, you, you've built your house upon the rock. And that's it. So, that's what we do. That's what we want to do. That's what this web church is about. That's what this whole thing is about, is to see people just get into this message of grace that we can come to the unity of the faith. You can be part of that by simply telling people about this website and just forwarding something. Order a CD if you're in South Africa and just send it to somebody. Make CDs if you're in another country of this. Copy as much as you want. Spread the gospel. Amen. Send it out for free. Give it to people. Hallelujah. So, man, you know, this is that, that's so important to me, to see people just hearing this message of grace. Amen. Well, we're going to go over to our worship. Um, from next week, we will have some new worship songs. So, we've been singing some of the same songs over and over and over. But there's some of those songs that I just can't stop to sing because they're good new songs. And I was thinking, you know, some of the people might get irritated because... It's some of the same songs and maybe I've got more songs to choose from but I want to play those ones again because it just speaks so much of the heart of God and the goodness of God. Hallelujah. So, um, let's just worship together. We sing these songs together. Then we're going to go over to our live part of this broadcast. This part has been before the, before the worship is pre-recorded. Only 45 minutes before uh, the live part though. Um, but... Uh, enjoy the worship. Sing, sing with. Enjoy this. We're going to go over to the life part of the worship after the, uh, the life part of the message after the worship, um, where we will just share a bit about about the chastisement of the Lord and the correcting how God corrects the church. So people, enjoy this and just open your heart. You know, it's so good to when you hear the music and what God has done in your heart that you can just spread that and just uh, uh, let that uh, just flow out of you you know because as you sing this and as you experience the influence of the music it's just a very powerful renewal of the mind amen so thank you and just let's just worship together god bless you to a thousand tongues, but there is one that sounds above them all. 
father's song, the father's love. You sung it over me and for eternity. It's written on my heart. Heaven's perfect melody, the Creator's symphony. You are singing over me, the Father's song. Heaven's perfect mystery. The King of Love has sent for me, and now you're singing over me, the Father's song. Songs, listen to a thousand tongues, but there is one that sounds above them all. Sounds above them all. The Father's song, the Father's love. You sung it over me and for eternity. It's written on my heart. Heaven's perfect melody, the Creator's symphony. You are singing over me, the Father's song. Heaven's perfect mystery. The King of Love has sent for me, and now you're singing over me the Father's song.
like us just to go and read a scripture in Matthew chapter 6 that just speaks a little bit about finances and you know in this time um, if you look at the economy of the world and we're basically in a recession or something what, that the big guys call this, you know many people are afraid and they don't know what they're going to do and how they're going to go about banks are closing down um, you know like in the States and in Europe and the people live with fear in their hearts, you know, what about the future? Now, I've got good news for you. Um, in, the first thing is the Word of God gives us peace. doesn't matter what happens because we don't rest our mind in the economy of a country. As Christians, we are so well equipped to handle anything, you know, without even experiencing hardship in our hearts. God has given us things like contentment. He's given us the person of God. And He's given us His Word. He's given us the Holy Spirit that equips us and constantly remind us of who Jesus Christ is and what He's done for us so that we don't even have to fear. Hallelujah. 
the wonderful thing about Christianity is that we don't find our peace in the abundance of our possessions. We don't find who we are in what we possess. Our life does not consist out of what we possess. Our lives consist out of what He's done for us and what we possess spiritually, which is Jesus and salvation and righteousness, which is by faith, and God that indwells us by His Holy Spirit. And what gives us um, energy every day is the confident expectation in the return of the Lord Jesus Christ, that He's coming back and that everything um, in the physical world that's not making sense today, is, uh, that doesn't look as if it's working out, is going to be done away with in the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that gives us peace. And what gives us peace as well is that we, when things happen like they, they go about in the world today, we don't have to say, oh God, where have we missed it? For if it goes well in the world or not, it's not determined if we miss it or not. Because this is a world where things go wrong. We live in a world where people don't serve God. We live in a world that is not perfect yet. But in the return of the Lord, it will be perfect and God will be everything in everybody and in all things. And thank God for that. So, I want to tell you now, in this world as it's now, don't try and put your peace in financial perfection. You will not have peace there. Uh, you will never have peace there until the Lord Jesus Christ returns. Then, then there will be that perfection that, that we talk about. And so many times we want to see, man, God, you know, I want... You know, this, this perfection must manifest because I'm a Christian. I do believe that there's provision for us as Christians. I do believe that um, by the Holy Spirit that indwells us, we get, we get certain breaks that other guys maybe don't see, which is there for them, but they don't see it. For they don't hear God telling them, go there or do this or watch out. This is going to happen in future because we've got the Holy Spirit that can warn us and tell us about things in future. And uh, a lot of guys that don't have the, the, the fruit of the Spirit, which one of the things is contentment, if you don't have that, you will live, live a life that can get you in trouble financially. Now, if you've lived a life like that as a Christian you're watching today, don't think, oh, there's only condemnation and damnation for you. No, go to God. Say, the Lord, you know, I've done this. Come boldly to the throne room of grace. It's a throne room of grace and mercy because you might have messed up. You need mercy and grace and that's where He helps you. So, if you've messed up, don't think that God is not going to get you through. He's still going to get you through. Hallelujah. You know, um, many people, maybe you're watching this for the first time today and you've really been into sowing and reaping and tithing and all of that. Um, and you find that, look at what we've done and now the whole world's going backwards. You know, I've been sowing and I've been uh, tithing and I've doing, been doing all those things, but still the fuel price went up. You know, you've been in South Africa and you've been sowing and reaping and tithing and still the dollar is strengthened to the rand. You know, it, there's no, it's just the same. Stuff got more expensive. And maybe you're still getting the same salary as what you've been getting all the time. And um, you maybe thought that your tires are not going to be, be worn out and, uh, because you retire them. But you find, man, the, the stuff's finished. You must still go and buy tires. I've got good news for you. God does not provide for you on the basis of what you've done. And that He will help you. And He will care for you, but on the basis of His person. And in the times like these, uh, when, when things look harsh financially in the world, um, let me tell you, don't find your peace in what you've done for God. Don't find your peace in, in the government. Find your peace in the person of God. 
you know, what gives me a lot of peace when it comes to the person of God and who He is and to trust and rest my mind in Him, it's very simple because I just feel that, you know, you don't always know how God's going to do it. And now you want to point it down and say, well, God's going to do it this way or that way. It's like the one lady came to me and she said, Bertie, please pray for us that our house will sell because the interest rates went up and it's difficult for us to... to um, to keep up with the payments. From the end of the year, it will almost be impossible. We need to sell the house before the end of the year. Now, it could be that God wants them to sell the house and that it will be the way God wants to provide for them. But I said to her, what's your need? Uh, and she said, she needs another 5,000 rand a month or whatever it is. So I said, your need is 5,000 a month or 120,000 to put down on the house. That's your need. Your need is not that you must sell the house. You need to pay that thing. That's, that's the need. And don't say that we must sell the house in order to pay it. Put the house in the market if you think that's what you must do. And you feel that's, if that's the guidance of the Holy Spirit. But don't put your trust in that the house must sell. Put your trust in who God is. Because He can, he can provide in many other ways as well. There might be some other source of finance that you've forgotten about. Some, some aunt or uncle can bless you with finances. Something can happen. So I want to just tell you, um, I mean your parents can come and their parents can come and just say, listen, I felt to give you a part of your inheritance before the time. Anything can happen. So, let's just keep our eyes in who God is. Not in how He must do it. Because so many times we believe, Oh God, you must come through for me in this way. This house must sell. Now the house doesn't sell. And now you feel in your heart, Oh God didn't come through for me. And you start to doubt God. Because you've pointed out to a certain thing. But if you just say, God will meet my need in whatever way. Just, that's just who He is. It looks obvious as if it's going to be through this or through that. You know, and, and have an expectancy, but don't think that's the only way that God can do it. Hallelujah. So I want to just say this to you. In these times, um, you know, don't say, well, the government must come right, then we're going to be blessed. Don't say that. Just say, God, you are a God that is good. I live in your kingdom. You love me. You care for me. And then a thing that can make it very easy is some of the basic things that Jesus Christ has placed down in, um, in his teachings concerning finances, um, and that Paul also wrote, and it's things like, man, don't find your value in what you possess. You know, if you don't find your value in what you possess, it's not that bad to sell one of your things. You know, if you don't find your value in what you possess, things like this does not even, is not a threat to you. It's not. Um, if you're not uh, uh, money oriented, if your if your uh, uh, worth and and your treasure is not this earthly possessions, but the finished work of Jesus Christ and what is done for you, man, you will find that you will, times like this does not bring fear. Amen. Now just look at what Jesus said here. He says, "Lay not up for yourself tre- treasures upon earth, where moth does moth and rust does corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal." So I want to say this to you on this earth. Jesus Christ said to people, um, you know, now, let me just see in chapter 5 when he started here, um, to who he was speaking. But th- this was to, the, to his disciples and also uh, some of the other people, uh, Hebrew people. And he preached to them, some of the Jews. He said, Lay not up for yourself treasures upon earth where moth, does ru- moth and rust does corrupt and where thieves break it through and steal. So I want to tell you, on this earth you will find that... Um, Moth and rust does corrupt, and thieves do break through and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust does corrupt, 
and where thieves do not break through and steal. So, if we can find our treasure in the heavenlies, in what God has done in Jesus Christ, and the Bible says, look upon Christ which is in heaven, in, in whom your life is hidden. So, if we find our treasure in the fact that we are righteous by what Jesus Christ has done for us, that, we, that He obeyed on our behalf, and through His obedience on our behalf, we are blessed. If that can be our treasure, you know, we will find that we can never lose that. It's never possible for us to lose our righteousness because of the obedience of Jesus Christ. It's, it's impossible. Um, his seed remains in us, therefore we are righteous and holy and blameless before God all the time. We don't walk in condemnation. As He is, so are we in this world. If that becomes your treasure, you'll find nothing and steal it. But if your treasure is in earthly things, now I don't say you're not supposed to like the car you drive. I don't, I don't say you're not supposed to uh, like nice clothes or the house you live in. That's not what, I'm not against that. All I say is, don't let that be your treasure. Because thieves can break in and steal. And if thieves does not break in and steal, it, your stuff does rust. If you say, no, but I'm, I'm protected in such a way that it doesn't, it, things not going to rust, listen. Buy yourself a nice, mild steel product, you know, and then you go and live in Durban, South Africa, and you leave it outside in the rain, and we see as if this principle doesn't work for you. It works for everybody. Christian stuff rusts. It's just the way it is. But what gives us stability in this world is because our value is not in this earthly thing. You know, I... I if, if I got a motorbike for free. Uh, I was blessed with it. It had 5,000 Ks on the clock. It's got now 13,000 Ks on the clock. You know, I drove it and now the mileage went up. It's the way it is. And you know why? When that mileage went up, it, the value of the bike goes down. When it had 5,000 Ks on it, maybe the value was 95,000 or 100,000. I was, if I'm lucky, I could get 100,000 for it, second hand. But now, I'll get 85, 90 for it because of the value that it, 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 it moth and rust um, just makes your money have less value. But we rest in a God that continually supplies for us. So don't find your, your, your life and the value of your life in the things that you possess because you will always find that stuff's going backwards. You know, it's not, uh, um, you know, you always find. Your money, it's, it's like the one guy says, money is round, it rolls, it rolls away. You know, it's, you can have 100,000 in the bank today and a short time from now you'll find there's nothing. You know, and you can't find your stability in what you possess. And you might say, but there's people that have got so many millions. You know, like this one guy at Microsoft, he helps the bank with 300 million or 300 billion, I don't care how much it is, but he helps the bank with that. And we think, yes, see, look how nice this guy's helping the bank. No, he helps the bank that way because he's scared. Because, in the few, because if he can't help the bank, people are going to be so scared about the whole situation, they're not going to buy computers anymore. There's something behind the thing. You know? You, I don't care how rich you are. The, the Word of God says, don't put, tell the rich not to put their trust in their riches. For it's like the dross. Today it's there, tomorrow it's gone. Like farmers, multi-multi-millionaire farmers in Zimbabwe, when they were there, um, I mean, Zimbabwe's inflation rate is 2.3 million percent. 
Man, that is awesome. I've never heard of something like that. I think it's the poorest country in the world um, at the moment. Um, you know, and, and there were people, I mean, when he had a million, he had maybe five million Zim dollar, uh, which was a lot of money. It was like two and a half million rand. And he might have had that in the bank. And overnight, it, uh, a five million Zim dollar was just enough to buy a bread. So, um, you know, and they just lost everything. But the people that found their rest in the person of God, maybe they lost their finances, but God provided for them in another way. Maybe they're now in Mozambique or in, in South Africa and they're prospering again. God is good to them. So don't put your, 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 your mind to what you possess. Don't look at that bank account because that's not what produces peace. What produces peace is when you look at the finished work of Jesus Christ continually. You will find, my God, you always supply for me. You always care for me. Then God cares for birds. God cares for sinners. So, how much more, if you are in Christ Jesus, will you find the character of God revealed to you? As you believe in it and tap into that, you will find peace in a time like this. Listen to what he says here. It says, But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust do corrupt, and where thieves do not break through and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart or your belief system be also. So in our hearts, let's put our value on the kingdom things. Let's put our value on souls getting saved. Let's put our value on the finished work of the cross, on what Jesus Christ has done. The joy of a person when he receives uh, the grace message. Let's make that valuable. Let's make it valuable to say, God, I, I, I experience your presence. Make that valuable. Make it valuable to say, I'm the righteousness of God. Let that be your value. Amen. He says, because then your belief system, your heart will also be with the kingdom things. He says, the light of the body is the eye. In other words, the way you look at something um, is what enlightens you. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye be single, he says, the whole body shall be full of light. If your body is single, now the Bible says that Jesus Christ is the light that enlightens the whole world and enlightens every man. So if our eyes is focused on Jesus, we'll find that our whole body is enlightened. We will be cared for financially. We will be cared for in every aspect of life. Because of who God is. Let that be your perspective. The value of what God has done upon the cross for us, even when it comes to finances. Let that be valuable to you. Not what you possess, but what is done for you. You know, so that you can prosper. Let that be valuable to you. Let the character and the person of God, let that be valuable to you. And, let, and see the value of that. It says here, if therefore your light, um, but if the eye be evil, the whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that's in you um, be darkness, how great is the darkness? If your, light be e- if your eye be evil, what does that word evil mean? The, one of the Greek meanings of the word evil, they mean full of labor or full of work. If your eye, your, your way of looking is law-based, if it's works-based, if it is, now works-based, law-based is what you possess and what you get right in this world is what determines your value. If your eye is like that, do you know what? Your whole body shall be full of darkness. You'll experience depression. You'll experience fear. You'll experience, oh my God, what's going to happen to us? You will worry about the price of things all the time. You know, there's one thing that I must say that I found in my heart. You know, as prices in the world and things became more and more expensive, I'm not going to stress about those things. I just said, the, if things become more expensive, it's just a sign that, God, that, that I will just receive more. You know, because I must buy those things. You know, I must pay for, for this, for broadcasting this. The people that work in the studio, the, the, I must pay them. 
you know, the, the things that must happen, it will, God will just provide more. That's just the way it is. You know, or in some other way, God will just do it. But I'm not going to stress because the fuel price went to 10 rand a litre. I'm not going to do that. Because if I stress about that all the time, you know, I'm going to be stressed all my life. Because if you look at the last 100 years, things just go up. It's the way it's going to be. It's going to be like that for the next 100 years. So, make peace in your heart, you know. There's a God and we look at, and, and we, our, our value is not in how cheap we can find something. Our value is not in what we drive. And if our value is not in what we drive and the fuel price goes up and we don't have money now for this or that, man, then you buy a cheaper car. That's a simple, and let me tell you, you might say, but that's not a life of victory. That's a true life of victory. You are free from that. And if, if, when something happens and you're blessed, you can buy a brand new one, buy a brand new one. Bless God. That's a true life of victory. True life of victory in finances to me is not to find your life in what you possess. Not to put value on stuff. A car can never, a car and what you wear can never, um, uh, um, how can I say, measure up to the value that you have in uh, to God through Jesus Christ. God, there's no possession. There's nothing you can possess. There's no material thing that God can give you that can measure up to what you are worth to Him. So you can never, because this world does not contain things, does not possess things that can measure up to your value. If all the gold of the planet is in one second mined and purified and given to one person, that cannot measure up to what is worth to God. So why do we find ourselves, why do we want to find our value in things that can never show our value, even if you receive all of it? If you drive the nicest Bentley, if you drive the best Rolls Royce and live in a mansion, you know, and, and you've got people that serve you, um, and you've got all those type of things, do you, do you think that can, that through that, your value can be even shown to others? What you possess can never show your value. Never. Forget about that. So, don't even dig into an area where you know you're never going to find any fulfillment. God had to, the thing that God had to give to show your value was not of this world. He had to incarnate Himself into human flesh. It had to come from another world. For our value cannot be shown by the things of this world. Therefore, He had to come from another world, from heaven, into this world and give His life, give Himself, for that is our value. So, find your value in what is truly valuable. And that is God Himself. Amen. Because that's your value. Bless God. And, and have that mindset. Because if you have that mindset, your whole life will be full of joy. You'll be happy in, in spite of inflation. You'll be happy. doesn't matter what the oil price is. You know? If you look at the oil price, for instance, the guys that sell the oil, you know, when, uh, when the price went to $100 a barrel, they were saying, God's providing for us. $110, I don't know where it turned. But now when it's 80-something now, you know, they might be stressed out. But the others feel God's providing for them now. <laughs> you know, so the, the people that must buy the fuel. So let me put it to you plain forward, plain simple. Our, the, 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 the way you look at things, let it not be in works, works orientated, law orientated, the laws of this world, because that will bring darkness to your life. But if you have your eye on Jesus Christ and what He's done for you, and you find your value there, you will always feel valuable. You will always have joy. 
You will always find friendliness and kindness in your heart and in your mind. You will always experience hope. And when things in this world look hopeless, you know that we confidently, with patience, expecting the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, that just gives me a lot of peace when it comes to finances. We're going to talk... Um, let's, let's turn to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. And, um, and you can also open in Hebrews chapter 12. I'm going to just find a certain scripture here. If you look, if you read Hebrews chapter 10, you will find that Hebrews chapter 10 is actually a, a harsh rebuke. You know, if I go through the whole of Hebrews chapter 10, it's going to be difficult for you to, just to get, ev- or for me to get everything into one hour. But if you go through Hebrews chapter 10 and do yourself a favor and go and read through it, you will find that it's actually, the right is actually rebuking the Hebrews, Hebrew people, because what happened was they believed in Jesus Christ as the only sacrifice. And, um, they believe it for a while, but then after a while, when they see that the Lord has, has not returned yet, they, be, they fell back into their old way of doing. They fell back into, by animal sacrifices and the temple and all those things, you know, that they will be sanctified and clean before God. But um, then the writer of the book of Hebrews, let's say it was Paul, came and he rebuked them, and that rebuke must have been very harsh for them. You must realize that the, pe- the Hebrew people, the Jewish people of that time was, um, the persecution was unto death. Many of them were persecuted unto death. And many of them really suffered under the persecution. You know, um, and it was difficult for them to continue in the faith. And the people of that time, the early church, when they believed in Jesus Christ, they didn't stop to do animal sacrifices. They continued with it. To them it was not known as to us now that that is not needed. We, as, as the New Testament church and the, and the people of the year 2000 and, and maybe from the 1800s, 1600s, we started to understand and the people in the he- that this letter was written to that you don't have to sacrifice animals anymore in order to be righteous. The first church, they still went to the synagogue like always. They first still went to the temple like always. They also had all those sacrifices and religious things like they had all the time. They've just added Jesus to what they believe. They believe that, yes, I do these things because that's my culture and that's what I do. Salvation is through Jesus Christ. And it was basically a really mixed Judaism type of religion mixed with Christianity. It wasn't what we've got today. Um, we, and we must know that. And that's why when you read the book of, of uh, Acts, you know, it doesn't, the book of Acts is not a book that tells us what we must do. It just tells us the acts of the apostles. The acts of the people of the early church. It doesn't, it's not to say that everything they did was right. You know, um, the people went and they sold everything and laid at the apostles' feet. It doesn't mean that we must do that today. Um, they, you know, they also came together and they also said, you know, you're not supposed to eat something that is sacrificed uh, to an idol. But you know what, today we eat a lot of those type of foods. And especially if you live in places like Japan and China, and those, you will find that. It's, it's like everywhere. And that's what you eat. Um, there's also many other things that the Jewish people still believed for themselves. And then they said, well, let's just keep certain things for the Gentiles, certain of these laws, 
so that the Jewish people in the towns where the Gentiles get saved will not persecute these people that believe in Jesus now so much. Because the church placed laws upon the, uh, the Gentiles that started to believe. And they wanted them to be circumcised and all those things. The early church believed in circumcision. The early church believed in, um, you know, shaving your head and paying the taxes at the temple and all those things. The early church still believed in tithing and all those things. They believed that. And if you, because you can find, maybe there's not a scripture like that, but even if you could find that people were tithing and they were doing all those type of rituals as the early church, it doesn't mean that we must do it today. They were just so much in the law, uh, uh, you know, and, and, and it was a law mixture that a lot of them thought, oh well, you know, when persecution arose for Jesus Christ's sake, then they just fell back to the law because they didn't want to be persecuted. Now, in the book of Hebrews, he comes in chapter 10 and he actually tells them, listen man, there's no other sacrifice than the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And if you reject the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, there's no more salvation for you outside the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And that is in Hebrews chapter 10. If you, then he goes to um, the end of chapter 10 and he says to them, listen, we must continue in faith and continue to believe. And then he goes to chapter 11 and he speaks about the people that believed and received. Because these people believed and they have not received. They believed they were righteous through the blood of Jesus. They received righteousness. But that was not what the Jewish people expected. What they expected was a Messiah that would come back and govern and rule the whole planet. That's, what they were, that's exactly what they were expecting and what they are expecting still today. And we, as Christians, also expect that. The only thing, but the difference between us and the Jewish people is they, they're still waiting for the Messiah to come. Um, we know that He has come, that He will come again. And they reject the first one, which will also make them not part of the rulership of the second one. The way Jesus Christ rules on the planet today <clears throat> is by the spreading of the gospel of Christ. That's His rulership. That's how He will, will rule this planet, by the gospel being spread over all of this. And when He returns, in the, and, and His kingdom manifests in full... Everybody that believes in Him and His rule, His kingdom, what was His, He will make that subject to God. And what that means is God will be, God will come and indwell every fiber of our being, every molecule that is in this atmosphere, and everything will be like God. And that's what we expect as Christians to happen one day. But what, what we do now, in in our hope for that, is spread this gospel to as many people as possible. And that's our work. And that's our empowerment that we've received of God. That's what we do. But these Jewish guys, you know, they, they just expect the Lord to come back. The Lord did not come back as... I mean, they wanted Him to come back in their lifetime. So He didn't come back. So then they became so law-minded and thought, well, this whole thing about Jesus Christ is not the truth. Maybe He died and never rose again. And they start to doubt Jesus Christ. And then, he, and then they went back to the full sacrificial animal type of things, rituals. And then the writer of Hebrews say, listen man, there's no other sacrifice above the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. That's the only sacrifice. And if you reject that, there's no sacrifice by which you can be saved. 
for that's the only one that will cleanse you forevermore. And then he said to them, if the sacrifices that you guys have were powerful enough to cleanse you, then they would have ceased. Because, but you offer them continually year by year by year because they cannot make you clean. But Jesus Christ, after that, he, after He's come, you don't have to sacrifice anymore because that sacrifice has cleansed us forevermore. And that is in verse 14. It says, For by one offering He has perfected forever them that are sanctified. Now isn't that wonderful? That is, that is powerful. That is exactly what He came to give us. Then He goes to chapter 11. He tells many faith heroes that believed and received. Chapter 11, verse 1. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of the things not seen. So, what he was actually saying, um, let me read it to you in a, in a good explanation there. Now, faith, persuasion, is the foundation from where we hope. It is the thing that will manifest the unseen. Okay? For by it, now listen to this, for by it, the elders, or the people that has already passed away, obtained and received a good report. Through faith we understand the worlds were framed by the word of God. So things, things which are seen were not made of the things which do appear. By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice. So what he's saying here is that they received a good report from God. They received, they believed and received, they conquered through faith. And guys, let's believe that the Lord Jesus is returning and in what he's done. Because through that faith we shall conquer. That is what faith is. Faith was not this mystical thing. True faith is believing Jesus will return. And we have directed faith so much towards stuff and things that we must believe and miracles happening and everything and we have changed faith and, and, and made uh, take the gifts of the Spirit and made that faith and said, well, if you don't have the manifestation of the gifts of the Spirit, it means you've got no faith. Man, that's a lie. The Bible can... Let's go and read that quickly in um, in Second Peter. Second Peter. Uh, chapter 1. It says, Simon Peter, servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained, obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. So it says here that the people that believe they have obtained... Like precious faith. How? Through the righteousness of God. Through Jesus Christ. So the faith that you have is, if you believe that Jesus Christ became a man, obeyed on your behalf, died for you, was resurrected, is seated at the right hand of the Father, from where He will return, and God will make everything new, there will be a new heaven, new earth, you have reached your faith. That is the precious faith. Amen. And then when you believe in Him, His Spirit indwelled you and we, we find that certain men and certain people has got certain gifts by that. And through that, God heals people. Miracles happen as a sign of the kingdom to come. What type of kingdom that is and how it functions. And by our faith, believing we the righteousness of God and that He has conquered everything um, already, including death and that He was resurrected, but the last enemy that will be conquered in our lives is death, we will find miracles happen, signs and wonders happen in our lives, you know, as we believe in who He is, and in what He's done for us, but we've already obtained that precious faith, already, amen, we can't measure our faith, the way I measure my faith is, I measure my faith on what God has done, do I have great faith or small faith, well, it depends on what you believe, 
If you can believe that God through the obedience of one man can make the whole world uh, become righteous before God, man, then you've got great faith. If you believe, no, you know, uh, the obedience of Jesus Christ got some effect, but you need to, through your obedience, enter in, you've got small faith. You know, so great faith and small faith is not determined by signs, one is miracles. Yes, I do believe that as we rest our minds and finish the work of God, that from that perspective we can manifest signs, wonders, miracles. We can walk in that power. You know, but that's not the fullness of the kingdom of God. We have received that measure of faith. Now he comes here and he says to them, listen, through faith, through the faith that you have, and I want to say that to everybody of you, through the faith that you already possess, by just through patience, waiting, you shall receive the promise of the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. And in that time you'll find signs, wonders and miracles happening to you. And God healing you and blessing you. Amen. Let's just read the last part of chapter 10 here. It says, um, in verse 35, it says, Cast not away, therefore your confidence, which has great recompense of reward. So he's saying, listen man, through the finished work of Jesus Christ, our minds has been cleansed and we come with confidence before God. Don't cast that away by going back to the law. Okay? And it has got, it has great recompense of reward. You will be greatly rewarded in believing. He doesn't reward you because you've believed. The reward has already been given, which is the return of the Lord Jesus Christ, eternal life in your physical body. It has already been given by Jesus Christ. But as you believe, you will receive what you believe for. Amen. Right. For you have need of patience that after you have done the will of God, which is to believe in Jesus Christ, you might receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he that shall come will come and not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith. What does that mean? We are justified already. We are the just. We shall have eternal life in our physical bodies through believing that Jesus Christ will return and we'll have that in his return. But as many, but if any man draws back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But we are not of them that draw back unto perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. Now faith is the substance of, the hope, of things hoped for. You see, that's exactly what it says. This faith thing, if you continue to believe, if you don't part from uh, the grace message and the goodness of God, you shall receive. And now it comes to chapter 12. And now, um, I mean, by saying all these things, people might have felt rebuked harshly. You might come, for instance, say, you say, no man, I must enter in and be blessed by walking around the town and putting oil at this, uh, every street that enters the town and bind Satan every morning on the hill outside of town. Let's say that's what you believe. Uh, you must have to be righteous before God. And I come to you and I tell you, listen man, you are parting from the true message of grace. And God has got no delight in what you do there. And I read to you this scripture and says, uh, says, uh, you know that if, if you, if you do those type of things, God, let, let's read this. Um, now the just shall live by faith, but if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. To say to you, listen man, God's got no pleasure in you. Whoa! Imagine that. You are sincere. You are seeking righteousness. You want the will of God. You know, and, and now things are not happening. You wanted righteousness to be in the town. 
And as you want righteousness to be in the town, you find that maybe you share the gospel with a couple of people, they don't believe, you thought, but what's wrong? And you got to this teaching, I must bind Satan over town. And you go and stand on the hill and you bind the devil until you blew in the face, walk around the town, go through great effort for your purpose is people must become righteous in town. And now somebody comes to you and you're so sincere, so upright in heart, walking a holy life, you're not drinking, smoking, lying, stealing, cheating, you're not doing any of those things. You, you, you give your life to the, the holy things you believe you must do for God. And I come to you and tell you, listen, God has got no delight in you. You bring Him no pleasure in what you do. And you're actually falling away from the message of grace. Do you think that you're going to be happy if, if someone tells you that? If you believe what the guy says, the believing that that word will produce joy in your heart eventually. But the, the day you hear that, let me tell you, it will feel as if you've been whipped. It will feel as if you've been beaten, man. You, you, you will feel this rebuke is so harsh that you, you cannot, who can, who can take such a rebuke? That's hard. And that's exactly what happens here. The writer of the book of Hebrews really uh, uh, harshly rebuked the, the Hebrew people through what, what he wrote. And you must realize that we as Gentiles, and if you're a Gentile listening to this, I'm talking uh, worldly now, if you're a Gentile listening to this, Listen to me. We don't understand what those people went through when the writer of the book of Hebrews wrote to them. We don't understand what it meant for those people when Paul went around and he preached to say, get backslidden from Moses, backslide from Moses. That was blasphemy. That was to the degree that you can kill somebody for saying that. That's how harsh those type of rebukes were. That's what happened. Um, let's, let's go to the book of Acts and read what Paul uh, taught. He, he taught some harsh things, which was very difficult. And we don't understand those things. Then we come with, an, with, with half an understanding of what really was said and how it was said. And we want to use scriptures like God rebukes and and, and, and scourges and those type of things. And we think we want to connect that to hard times and economical hard times and thinking that God puts us through those hard things. That's not true. Let's see if I can find that scripture quickly. Uh, here it is, verse 21. Uh, Acts 21, verse 21. And when they heard it, they glorified the Lord and said unto him, this is to Paul, See thou, brother, how many thousands of Jews that are, uh, there are which believe, and they are all still zealous for the law. And they are informed of you that you teach all the Jews which are amongst the Gentiles to forsake Moses. That word forsake there is the English word backslide. They teach people, Paul taught people to backslide from Moses or the law saying that they ought not to circumcise their children neither to walk after their customs. Now remember, they still believe, they believe that through Jesus Christ to be saved, but they believe if you don't circumcise your child, God's not pleased with you. For there was time people that when God just brought the circumcision thing, they didn't want to be circumcised and then the Bible says God wanted to kill them. 
So they thought, man, God will kill us if, we don't, if we're not circumcised. And here Paul comes and he says, don't worry about the circumcision, man. And backslides from Moses. And they had the writings of the law that was taught for man many years. I don't know how many thousands of years or whatever, they, they, but it was taught for a very long time. It was taught, and that was the way they built the temple. It was everything they had, the whole life, consisted out of that. Now, a writer comes and says, that's not needed anymore, and if you do that, you're not pleasing to God. <laughs> Let me tell you, that's a harsh rebuke. And that's so many times we faint at the rebuke of the Lord. For God is not going to compromise when it comes to the truth, and He is going to say it the way it is, and our hearts should not fail when it comes to the correcting of God and the rebuke of the Lord. And I think that's so many times why it's so difficult for people to take the message of grace because we fell back into law systems. As we, we as Gentile people, non-Jewish people, studied the Bible, we, we, we started to read the law of Moses and all those type of things. And because law is written into every fiber of our beings, we find, uh, and of our flesh, we find uh, um, a good connection with the law. You know, it makes sense. It's the laws of this world. It's the law that it works. If you're good, do good, or, or you know, and, and you will be blessed. Do bad and you will be cursed. You know, it just makes sense. Because that's the way this will function. Now we see it in the Old Testament, it starts to make sense. And from that perspective, we also start to see the grace message. And now, God comes through preachers and gifts to the body of Christ, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers, which are gifts to edify the body of Christ, that they will not fall back under the law. And now when we come and preach this, it might sound harsh and hard to people. And they might find, this is too hard for me, I can't believe this. Now, let's go to um, Hebrews chapter 12. We've got 15 minutes left. Hebrews chapter 12. And verse... Verse 5. Let's start with verse 1. Let's start with verse 1. It says, Wherefore, seeing we also are, um, we are compassed about with so great cloud of witnesses, let's lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. So, we've just explained the whole thing about patience, waiting for the return of the Lord. It says here, um, let us look at the witnesses around us, which, we, which were these people of faith that continued to believe and receive the promise. That's all that that cloud of witnesses actually is about. It says, listen, we've got these people around us. These writings were in every synagogue around these people. They were, it was everywhere. And they said, look, look at these guys all around us, in our lives. It was here with us. They lived and received from God. Let us, with patience, continue. And then he says here, let us lay, lay aside every weight. That word weight means uh, a bulk mass, a burden, weight. So it, it is, the, what is this burden? The Bible says, let everybody that is burdened and heavy laden come to me and I'll give you rest. What were they burdened with? That burden also means to be um, overburdened with the practicalities of religion. So what it's actually saying here is, let's lay aside all these law things and these things that burden us. And it was a burden. The circumcision was a burden. You can go read it in the book of Acts. They said, let's not burden the Gentiles with a circumcision and with our laws. 
For therefore, the, through that we can see they saw that it was a burden and a weight. Let's not put weight upon the Gentiles by telling them they must be circumcised. Because difficult for them to do. In the same way, he says you let's lay aside every law and burden and the sin which does so easily beset us. Now that sin is, I believe, two things. It is, number one, thinking we are, let's lay aside these laws and the sin that is to think that through these laws we are righteous and the sin that comes forth because we are under the law. Because the Bible says through the law is the knowledge of sin. Let's lay all of that aside and let us run with patience the race that's set before us. And what's the race that's set before us? To continue to believe that we are righteous through God and to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. How do we look, how do we run this race? Verse 2, looking unto Jesus Christ, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising, despising the shame and, shame and it is set down, set down at the right hand of God, the right hand of the throne of God. So what he's saying here is, let's look at Jesus. How do we run our race? We look at Jesus. He was persecuted but continued to believe. Amen. And then he received the promise. So Jesus is also one of those faith heroes we can look at, which was just written down in, chapter, in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. He says, let's look at him and what he um, received. And he was persecuted. And these guys were persecuted for this. It was very harsh for them to leave those things. And then if they believed in Jesus, people would come and kill them. You know, or badmouth them, all those things. But the people that was written to in Hebrews here, they weren't persecuted to that extent. We will see that now. It says, verse 3, For consider him that endured such great contradiction of sinners. People just came and gave him a hard time. Against, him, uh, uh, against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your minds. You have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. So what he's saying here, and that is not sin of, you know, drinking wine. Or smoking a cigarette. That's not what he's talking about. The sin that he was talking about there, that they had to strive against, was the sin of thinking that you're righteous by your works. And he said to them, let's continue to believe in Jesus, for you have not resisted sin unto blood. That means they have not even come and killed you guys. You're still alive. You know, they haven't put you in front of the lions yet. They haven't done those bad things and beaten you and all that for this gospel. So, you haven't even suffered that much. But look at Jesus, how he suffered and believed and received. So, please man, continue to believe. Continue to resist the temptation to fall back under the law. That's what he says. And you have forgotten, listen to this. They have not resisted, they're falling back under the law. He says, and you have forgotten um, the exhortation. What exhortation have they forgotten? The Bible says that the, the Holy Spirit comes and He reminds us of everything that we have freely received in Christ in 2 Corinthians 2. Or 1 Corinthians. Let me see. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 12. The Holy Spirit comes and He reminds us of everything we have freely received in Christ. Why does He remind us? Because we forget. That's just the way it is. And He comes and He reminds us all the time so that we can continue in that message of grace. He says, And you have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto sons. My son, despise not the, the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when you are rebuked of Him. So what he's, he's actually saying is that I have come and I have rebuked you. God has rebuked you through the, this writing. He's rebuked you to, and, and He told you, listen, you are forgetting who you are. You are making yourself slaves again and you forgot You've forgotten the exhortation which speaks as unto you, not as unto children, but as unto sons. So what is he saying? 
It's actually saying, listen, this teaching, this exhortation that we bring to you, tells you, you are a son of God, you're not a slave anymore. And you have forgotten that. Now that word exhortation means a calling near, summons, especially for help. An importation, supplication, entreaty, exhortation, admonition, encouragement, consolation, comfort. That which affords comfort or refreshment. Thus, listen, thus of the messianic salvation. So what he's saying is you guys have forgotten the messianic salvation. You forgot that. That's the exhortation. You have forgotten that exhortation and the messianic salvation speaks unto you as unto the sons of God and not servants and slaves, but as unto co-heirs. You have forgotten that and because you've forgotten that, you felt it needful salvation, you went back to the law and now you're under the law and you're not pleasing in the sight of God and there's no other sacrifice for you except you will be condemned unto hell. That's what he wrote in the book of Hebrews. Now that's harsh. And now he comes and he tells to them, he says, you've forgotten all those things. Then he says, my son, despise not the chastening of the Lord. He says, don't despise us. You are still children of God. You're still saved. So, but you're falling back unto that that can bring death and get you into hell fire. So, but now God comes and he chastens you. He, he, he did beat them. How? With words. How did he beat them? By telling them, you're not pleasing in my sight, man. You're busy rejecting, trampling underfoot the blood of Jesus Christ. That's what you do. And you're rejecting the only sacrifice by which you can be saved. That's what you're busy doing. Then he went on, he says, For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. Now that word chasteneth uh, means to train up a child, that is to educate. That's what it means. To train up a child, that is to educate. It doesn't speak of, um, you know, a cancer. <laughs> it doesn't speak of taking away the money of the world. That's what it talks about. He, he talks about training up a child. And uh, uh, another um, dictionary says to train up a child through teaching him with words. So how does God train us? How does God teach us? How does God... Uh, scourge people. Now that word scourge means in, in the Greek literally means to whip or to beat. Now uh, you might say, oh, but you see there it says he, 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 he chasteneth. In other words, he corrects and scourges. That means whip or beaten or to beat people every son whom he receives. So in other words, listen, if you think that means physically whipping, man, you're wrong. As simple as you're just wrong. Because it doesn't mean physical whip. What it means is, you know, when people were whipped, years, in those years it was, um, if you, doesn't matter what your age were, if you stole something, did something, then you were beaten. You were whipped. And that was painful. That corrected you in what you did. Now God came and He whipped these people by what He said. And He did beat them through words by telling them you're wrong to get them in the right place again. It does not speak about hard time, does not speak about cancer, does not speak about any of those things. Then goes on, it says, If you endure the chastening or the teaching of God, that God deals with you as with sons, for what son is, is there whom the Father does not correct? But if you be without correction, wherefore all are partakers, then 
are you bastards and not sons? Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? For they verily for a few days um, corrected us after their own pleasure, but he for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness. So the only thing, the chastening of the Lord, we should not see it as punishment. We should see it as words through which God corrects people. That's the only way. So, man, I think that through these three chapters and just going through all three, you can have a good mind of the chastening of the Lord. Um, even if you believe that, that that was speaking about God putting you through hard times, you were chastened right now. You were corrected right now. Through words. How did God chasten? I don't even want to use that word. Uh, correct the, the church in Corinth when some of them was in adultery and fornication. He corrected them through the Apostle Paul that wrote a letter to them. And he sent the letter. That was a chastening of the Lord for them. How did God uh, uh, correct the church, the, uh, some of the, the, the seven churches that you read, go and read in, in, in Revelations? He goes and he says, to this church I want to say this, to that, the angel of that church I want to say that. He says to the one, I've got one thing against you. You start to believe this and this and this doctrine. Now that is the correcting of God. You know, we can come and we can say, you know, God has got something against you. The thing that He's got against you is you believe that, um, you know, if, if you don't do this and this and this, God cannot bless you. He's got that against you. For He's done everything. If you believe that He's done everything, you'll experience righteousness. And through that law, you're experiencing death and condemnation, all those type of things. Hallelujah. Teaching people really who they are. Amen. That is, you know, what, 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 what we need to start to see. That is how God corrects us. So people, sometimes we must, we can, you can come to, to web church and you can feel, man, this is a hard word. It's like Jesus. He corrected people. This was the way he chastened some of the Jews guys. And what did he say? He said to them, if you don't eat my flesh and drink my blood, you've got no part in me. And he, through that also said, you will not have part in the kingdom of God. And they said, this is a hard saying. Who can believe this? And that was when their hearts fainted. The Bible says, don't let your heart draw back unto perdition. Or don't harden your hearts like in the days of the desert or when God spoke to these people and they hardened their hearts and they couldn't enter into the promised land. Let's not harden our hearts when the Lord speaks. For the thing that He speaks is sometimes and uh, uh, when you've got a law mind so far apart of what you used to and what you think God can give you. And what God has given you. It is so, so far apart what you think God has given me this person. You know, God, it's like I spoke to somebody the other day and he said, you know, sometimes God will bring hard times over you, your path to teach you patience. Places where you need patience. Listen, God doesn't have to bring us into any situation for us to need patience. The fact that Jesus Christ has not returned today means we need patience. Where we wait for Him. And He's not going to keep His Son away until He sees enough patience with us. Now, He gives us the Holy Spirit and His character, which is a patient character. And He gives us patience by Him, His Spirit indwelling us. That's how He gives us patience. Amen. And He will come back and He's, he's staying away for certain reasons. We're not going to discuss that right now. I mentioned it in, in previous messages. But people, please, you know. Um, the way God corrects us is to come to you in a loving way. 
You know, if, if you are, if, if you seek justification, let's take, let's come back to the tithing thing again. If you've been a pastor that's been preaching tithing, it doesn't matter in how a nice way I tell you that it's fulfilled and that people were actually deceived by that. If I can come and say, you know, I just want to say this uh, and I don't want you to be offended. Please, you know, just listen to my heart. I want to say it this way. You know what? After I've really said what I want to say and he realizes that he was actually deceived and he taught people wrong, it's not going to be nice. If you come and you say, listen man, I just want to tell you, uh, Pastor, you deceived and you're deceiving people, it's also not going to be nice. The, the, so many times people, they, they think they get offended on how somebody says something, but they're actually offended on what he said. Now, I can compromise on how I say something, but not on what I say. Um, and, and sometimes people say, you know, he comes over harshly. Because you experience it as harsh because you've been corrected. And no correction is nice. Because it means you've been wrong and you've been doing a thing, uh, uh, especially in the, when it comes to the gospel things, you've been doing a thing for nothing. Thinking it is pleasing in the sight of God, but it was actually an abomination in the sight of God. So I want to tell you this. Whenever you experience this message of grace coming to you, open your heart. Don't let your heart be faint. And that is the... Man, I believe this is encouraging to you. This is supposed to be a blessing. You know, thank you, Jesus, for this way of correcting us. The Bible says that He comes and He prunes us. How does He prune us? The Bible says in Isaiah, in, in um, John 15, verse 3, the way He does that is through His Word. He says, you've heard My Word and it has cleansed you. You are already clean. You are already pruned through the Word. I've pruned away the law from you. That's what I'm busy doing. I'm pruning away the law system of salvation for you and I'm giving you my, me as salvation. That's how you will become pure. Amen. Well, we've run out of time. Thank you that you've listened to Web Church. I'd like to just pray for you. And after the prayer, we're going to go over to our song. Remember our, our uh, meetings on Wednesdays at 1 o'clock South African time. If you want to be part of the, of, of the um, cell there, God bless you. Father, I want to thank you that I can pray for everybody that's watching Web Church right now. I say you're the blessed of God. You're the righteousness of God. You're the person that doesn't draw back when you are rebuked in the Word of God, when you are corrected by God. Um, when he, when he teaches you in Jesus' mighty name. I call you the healed and the blessed of God. If you've never received Jesus as your Savior by faith, just call out unto Him right now and receive Him as your Savior. Know that you are saved by what He's done for you. Thank you, Father, for your unconditional love. Thank you for this message that could go out all over the world today. May millions watch it in the years to come. Thank you for your love. Amen. Amen.